on this solemn day around America. We are starting off a new week. Hello, I'm John Rawl on this September 11th on the program that is all about the Southeast. John Rawl, host of the Y'all Show. Good to have you back here. Hope your weekend was fantastic. Yes, we remember the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. We've got some information about the observations going on today. As right now, they're reading off the names that solemn thing they do each and every year on September 11th from Manhattan, where the World Trade Center was, of course, brought down on this date 22 years ago. We'll have information on September 11th. We've got info, the latest out of Hurricane Lee. It's growing larger. But right now, some of the forecasting I'm seeing has it scooting just to the east of the eastern seaboard. So we may, we may be able to dodge a big-time bullet in the southeast, but we'll give you the latest from the National Weather Service and more on this hurricane as it's just powerful, powerful out there in the Atlantic at the current time. Some business news today. Kroger is going to sell more than 400 stores in 17 states. What does this mean to you? We'll have that information. Sad news in the world of country music. Texas country crooner Charlie Robinson has died at the age of 59. Charlie Never quite got a big hit in country music, but he was definitely someone who made great videos and made a lot of great music for a long time. For a long time, he was married to one of the Dixie Chicks, Charlie Robinson, passing away suddenly over the weekend. Also, in the last few days, country singer Zach Bryan arrested in his native Oklahoma. We'll fill you in on what happened there and more about the talented singer who's, well, his career is going quite well for the guy who spent eight years in the United States Navy prior to making music in Nashville. All that's coming up here on today's report of all things entertainment in addition to the news. Plus, we also have out of eastern North Carolina, rather, no, I'm sorry, western North Carolina. Oops, wrong end of the state. It's the eastern band of the Cherokee Indians. That's what I was trying to get to. They had a big vote here in the last few days. And it's got to do with marijuana use on the reservation. And a lot of people across the southeast go into Cherokee, North Carolina to gamble and to have a good time. And we've got the unofficial results of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians vote on marijuana use on their land in western North Carolina. That's coming up. Plus, which state has the most obese obese children in America? Data coming in that we have. The state of childhood obesity.org is the website that has that. Plus, in South Carolina, probably the worst nightmare you could probably have comes to life. A woman drives down the road and notices a snake in her car. Yikes! And a trooper comes to the aid there in Kershaw County, South Carolina. We have info on that. Plus, vanilla ice. Ice, ice, baby. Yeah. He's got two new homes. In the state of Florida. What's going on with him? Where's this money coming in from, Vanilla Ice? We'll tell you all that in our report across the southeast in today's Y'all Show. Here in this first hour, in addition to news, we've got hashtag HuddleBlue headed your way. Hour two today on Y'all. We will have more news, plus we've got our Southern History Spotlight. And today, it of course is the 22nd anniversary of September 11th. We will talk about that. Plus... We'll play, or we won't play. I'm, 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 I kind of reserve our music playing until to Fridays. But I'll tell you more. Well, I'll play the song. I'll play the portion of the song coming in from break. But I'm going to play Where the Stars and Stripes and the Eagle Fly from Aaron Tippin. 
as that song has a special meaning for September 11th. We'll have that in our second hour. Heck, you know what? Today I'm going to play a song that I helped get out on the radio. I'm going to do that at some point. It's called United We Stand, and it just hit me. I need to play that here on September 11th, and I'll do that from the Andrew Jessup Project. Yep, back in 2001, I helped put a song out to country radio, and it's still out there getting some airplay today, and I'm going to play that for you coming back from one of our breaks. Might do that here this first hour if you don't mind. We'll have that, United We Stand, plus in our second hour today, it's the Southern Recipe of the Day, and there was something called the NFL that kicked off in a big way on Sunday and really over the weekend, starting with the Lions. How about the Lions with the big upset over the Chiefs on Thursday night football? Motor City, look out. But I was noticing while surfing around Sunday, NFL Sunday, that Tostitos has put out a big ad buy, and Tostitos now has NFL recipes for each of the teams. And I got the biggest kick out of looking at some of their southern NFL team recipes from Tostitos, you know, the chip company. And they've got, like, the Nashville hot chicken for the Tennessee Titans. And they've got a North Carolina-based barbecue chip recipe for the Panthers. And they've got them for all the teams in the in the NFL. So we're going to focus in on some of the southern NFL teams. And I'll tell you, their Tostitos recipe, that you can go to Tostitos and get that recipe and cook it up. Man, it sounds great. It sounds so good. I would be willing to have a meal of just these Tostito recipes instead of just having them as an appetizer. But you could do that, too. All that's coming up as part of our southern recipe of the day in hour number two. In our final hour today... We will have our Southern Culture Spotlight. This is something new we're going to add. In fact, I made an editorial decision starting on today's Y'all Show. I'll, I'll fill you in as we go forward. But I got uh, I got a little ticked off about something this weekend. And I'm going to start reducing something on this show, but increasing other things. If that's okay with you, I, I'll fill you in as we go in. You know, it's one of those editorial decisions you got to make when you're the Y'all Show host. So we have that coming in our third hour. It's the Southern Culture Spotlight. And today, as part of our Southern Culture Spotlight, oh, something happened to me when I was in church on Sunday morning. And it got me thinking, you know, that's something I need to bring up. I cannot believe this person did this in church. They did it the entire time Sunday morning. And so today, in our final hour, as part of our Southern Culture Spotlight, I have pulled up an article, believe it or not, from southernliving.com, and it's titled, When It's Rude to Wear Your Hat Indoors. That's right. Church on Sunday, somebody came in wearing a baseball cap, and they they kept it on the whole freaking time in church. you got to be kidding me. And it wasn't a female. It was a male. You don't wear baseball caps uh, officially, you're not supposed to wear them indoors. You're not supposed to wear them when you're eating. Okay, those are all the etiquette rules, but everybody knows you don't wear a baseball cap in church. Okay, if there's one place you don't wear a baseball cap, it's in a church. And this guy wore it, and it brought me to thinking, we're going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to have a real intelligent adult conversation about baseball caps 
not just in church but inside too and i love baseball caps i really do i like wearing them i like the look of them i like seeing people wear baseball caps i like the ladies when they wear caps i mean it's it's cute it really is cute i like women and in the nice sunday caps or hats they wear to church you know the the more formal caps i like kentucky derby caps. i like them all i really do but you just don't do that in my opinion or or do you that's why we're going to pull up this article from southernliving.com that we'll get to in our final hour about when it's rude to wear your hat indoors <laughs> that's all coming this is important stuff that we'll be getting to plus we'll have a preview of what's on the y'all show going forward the rest of the week when we get to our final hour if you'd like to be involved with this program that shakes up the southland it's easy to do you can text us 24 hours a day seven days a week at 615-208-4184 we have an email address mail mail at yall.com and we would just absolutely love hearing from you no matter the time of day or location as we shake up things, as I said here on the program, all about the South, available on radio stations, as well as in podcast form on outlets like Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, as well as Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, and we're available free of charge at y'all.com, the South homepage. Just go there, and you will see our beautiful Y'all show listed right there on the homepage of y'all.com. Let's pick up the news headlines for this opening hour of our program. And today does mark the 22nd anniversary of the September 11th attack on America. Nearly 3,000 people died on this day back in 2001, killed in a series of coordinated attacks involving commercial airplanes, the worst terrorist attack that this country has ever suffered. As the American Airlines Flight 11 crashed into the North Tower of the World Trade Center, killing everyone on board, and hundreds inside the building. And just 17 minutes later, another flight, United Airlines Flight 175, crashed into the World Trade Center's South Tower, killing all on board that plane and more inside the Trade Center. Ultimately, the towers would come down as thousands would die. And then, of course, you had the flight going into the Pentagon, which killed 50 people on board that flight and 125 people inside the Pentagon and then the plane that went down in Pennsylvania too. This is now called Patriot Day, a national day of service and remembrance that commemorates the catastrophic events of September 11th, 2001. And right now, depending on when you're catching the show, the names are being read off at the World Trade Center site in New York City of those who died on this day 22 years ago at the Pentagon, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and, of course, at the World Trade Center. Just a terrible day in our nation's history. And we shall never forget. We will never forget. We can't forget. This goes down in the annals of history right beside Pearl Harbor. It really does. And have we improved as a nation since that day in 2001 i think in most ways we have i mean we are we've got to be a much safer country from a domestic or rather an international terrorism standpoint domestic terrorism now that's 
that that's something we talk about every day when we talk about all these mass murders and gun gun assaults not had anything to do with some religious cause in most cases mental health would probably be the underlying reason for most all those things but as far as what will happen in 2001 when people from saudi arabia helped lead this effort to bring down our country and they dang near pulled it off i mean yes we lost 3,000 people on this one day but the absolute financial strain this caused and the upheaval from people's lives that this brought for for a long time and in some cases it still carries on the trauma the death we've got people dying all the time as a result of 9-11 people who were first responders there I knew a guy from college who was a traitor and survived that but years later he developed lung cancer and he died I think three years ago and this was a guy who had been in the army and served and I think fought in Iraq but his death was traced back to the inhaling all the fumes after the September 11th attack where he went in and literally helped rescue people from that Clay Ludlam thank you sir rest in peace that was his name and um, just a just a terrible time in our country's history that we for the most part in my opinion strengthened our case internationally and we went into a war right after that now that was a bad bad decision I think we tried to link Iraq with September 11th and we saw there was no correlation and we lost thousands of lives in Iraq that should not have been lost trying to justify going after Saddam Hussein linking him to things like September 11th yeah so we we have not been a perfect nation since September 11th 2001 I know for those of you who were alive on that day you'll never forget the time the place what you were doing as far as here in the south on September 11th when these attacks happened it was what 9.30 east coast time 8.30 central time when this was going on on a Tuesday morning if memory serves me correct and I just I still still to this day remember where not only where I was but I remember probably 30 minutes before this happened thinking to myself on that Tuesday morning wow this is beautiful out here today I mean I I know exactly where I was when I saw the sunlight coming through on a very nice early September morning and it hit me I'd only been living where I was living at that time for only about a month and I was going in to to work and the sun was just perfect on that early September morning and I remember making that visual snapshot in my head wow what a beautiful day and it wasn't an hour later that someone told me about what was going on in New York City and most of us probably at that time didn't think much of it a plane crashes into the World Trade Center whoop-de-doo big deal how does that affect me that's the 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 selfish response that i had that i bet a lot of you had it's like okay you're thinking it's just like a two passenger plane no big deal and then you find out later what exactly this was all about and 
and and it was a well carried out i mean you i hate to say it it was carried out by some people who executed their plan perfect perfectly i mean what 20 guys 20 bad guys killed 3,000 people and brought a country to its knees that was a terrible day that was a terrible event luckily we haven't had any days like that since that time thank goodness thank goodness we'll never forget September 11th this is now Patriot Day and there are observations across the southeast going on all day long now to the tropics and right now Hurricane Lee is growing larger but right now the forecast for it remains uncertain as it looks like the biggest threat could be Bermuda as well as Atlantic Canada and New England more so than even the southeast right now this thing's out there north of the Bahamas it appears as a category three I think it's the latest reading we have on Hurricane Lee it kind of was a category five then it dropped down to a three but it is expected to be early Friday off of Bermuda's west coast between Bermuda and let's say the Carolina coast and it could end up impacting Bermuda in a big way but right now forecasters have it from what I'm seeing all the models and it's all due to a jet stream that's come in from the west of the United States pushing eastward and that's evidently going to make this thing stay away from the Atlantic seaboard of the United States at least at least the southeast it could go up toward New England and so the the, the fear is more of the eastern north northeast than the southeast of the United States at this time and of course this is all subject to change as forecasters have an eye on Hurricane Lee and the hurricane people go inside the storm from down in Biloxi that's where they go Hurricane Lee, the 13th storm of the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season. And it's got our attention for sure as it churns out in the Atlantic at the current time. Some business news before we take a break here in this opening hour, going through our headlines across the southeast. Kroger and Albertsons are going to together sell off more than 400 grocery stores across 17 states and the District of Columbia. The prospective buyer is CNS Wholesale. It's a company that supplies independent grocers, including Piggly Wiggly and military bases. And also included in this deal, eight distribution centers, two offices, and five private label brands in the deal. Does this mean we're going to be trading in Kroger for Piggly Wiggly? I'm okay with that. I love Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. The chairman and CEO of the Kroger Company said in a statement, Rodney McMullen is his name, following the announcement of our proposed merger with Albertsons, we embarked on a robust and thoughtful process to identify a well-capitalized buyer who will operate as a fierce competitor and ensure divested stores and their associates will continue serving their communities in the ways they do today. CNS achieves all these objectives. Okay. Very uh, boring statement there from the CEO of the Kroger Company. But yes, it looks like there's going to be some changes coming up. So I've got the locations or the states and the number of locations of where you're going to see these changes go into effect. 
So right now, I've got, for the South's sake, the breakdown. There are no Albertsons locations, for example, in Alabama. But the exact locations have not totally been released, but we got state-by-state breakdowns. And it looks like most of this does not affect most of the Southeast. There are 10 Harris Teeter stores that will be affected by this, it looks like, in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. That's a good chain if you've never been to a Harris Teeter. And then there are 28 Albertson stores in the state of Texas affected by this change. I don't know locations. I just know the number. Most of these are out west, all of these changes. Piggly Wiggly coming to California, maybe. Maybe. Good Memphis-based company for a long time. Mr. Saunders helped get that going. The first, I think it was the first self-serve where you went in and picked out your own thing. I think it was like that, the first one in the history of a country. And maybe the world. And that was about 100 years ago, if memory serves me correctly. There you have it. Some of our news headlines. We've got more news headlines that we'll be sharing with you as we move on with today's Y'all Show. Coming up after the break, I'm going to tell you about how in the South right now there are some National Guard units that are not following orders from Washington, D.C., And I'm glad they are not following those orders. And in fact, I say ignore those orders, National Guard units. Please ignore what they're telling you from the woke leadership of this country. Plus, as we said earlier, we lost a country music singer from Texas over the weekend. Charlie Robinson has passed away at the age of 59. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you more about this singer, songwriter, And as well as information from this Texas singer-songwriter, we've got info coming in from a guy from Oklahoma that got into a little legal issues over the last few days, Zach Bryan. All that is right ahead as we continue on with this Monday Y'all Show. We'll be right back. Recognize when we see old glory flying There's a lot of men dead So we can sleep in peace at night When we lay down our heads My daddy served in the army We lost his right eye But he flew a flag out in our yard Till the day that he died He wanted my mother, my brother My sister and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye. Man, we lit up your world like the 4th of July.
see color red, white, and blue. And on this Patriots Day, we're back on the Y'all Show. And a song there from that time period just after 9-11. And the response that Americans had for those who punched us. Toby Keith and others punching back. Absolutely. We're continuing on with our news headlines, and we'll actually go from talking about Toby Keith to some sad news out of the state of Texas here from the weekend. Country music singer-songwriter and a Texas country artist, Charlie Robinson, has died at the age of 59. Died at a hospital in San Antonio after suffering cardiac arrest and other complications. That, according to a family representative, Charlie Robinson launched his music career back in the 1980s playing at local Austin venues with bands like Two Hoots and A Holler before starting his own Millionaire Playboys. In 1996, Charlie Robinson released his solo debut, Bandera, which was named for the Texas Hill Country from where his family had a ranch for generations. He signed with Lucky Dog Records at one point and came up with a top 40 country song I Want You Bad along the way he would end up marrying Marty one of the members I think it was Marty might have been her sister I can't remember the name one of the Dixie Chicks was his longtime wife and she and Charlie had a couple of kids together Emily I'm sorry it was Emily was his first wife and they divorced back in 2008 he would later remarry Kristen Robinson and together they have four children and stepchildren Charlie Robinson who never really got a big big time country music song on the radio but still for most people most country music fans aware of him especially when he was married to a Dixie chick for a long time dying of cardiac arrest in San Antonio over the weekend Charlie Robinson some sad country music news to pass along today also in the world of country music at the end of last week, rising country star Zach Bryan arrested in Oklahoma, just outside of Tulsa, as Zach Bryan has put out a statement saying that he had an incident with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, and he said his emotions got the best of him. Records from the Craig County, Oklahoma jail show that the country music singer was booked into the jail on Thursday evening and released just two hours later. According to an NBC TV station in Tulsa, Zach Bryan charged with obstruction of an investigation. On social media, following this, Zach Bryan put out a statement that said, I was out of line in the things I said. I support law enforcement as much as anyone can. I was just frustrated in the moment. It was unlike me, and I apologize. And he said that he was taken to jail and there's a mugshot floating around. I wonder if he'll make $7 million off of his mugshot like another guy did recently. Zach Bryan is from Oliga, Oklahoma. He's 27 years old. And before getting into the country music hit-making business, he was a sailor. For seven years, he was in the United States Navy before being honorably discharged. His latest album is out right now. His debut album, Deanne came out in 2019. On Thursday, the Country Music Association, the same day that he was arrested, 
CMA announced that Zach Bryan was one of the five finalists for New Artist of the Year. CMA Awards are going to be November 8th at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville. But Zach Bryan, check him out. He's got a very, very bright career ahead of him. The 27-year-old who was born in Okinawa, Japan. His father was a sailor, and then, as I said, he went into the Navy and served for a number of years. I'm trying to find out what his position there was in the United States Navy. As he was an active duty guy, enlisting at the age of 17, he attained the rank of Aviation Ordnanceman Second Class, the good old AO2. And while in the Navy, he was writing songs and getting himself set up for a career in music. And he's got a nice little start here. He's got a lot of things going for him. In fact, he is now dating a podcaster with Barstool Sports named Brianna LaPaglia. <laughs> and uh, she's easy on the eyes, you could say, if you see a picture of this lady, Brianna LaPaglia. And so he's got that going on. And I was told about this guy about a year ago. I'd never heard of him. And. I happen to know a high school student who I was helping set something up one day on my Apple TV and we've got the Pandora going and most of my stuff's from 50 years ago on there but I said hey would you like to have some music for you on here and she said yeah put on Zach Bryan and I said Zach Brown no 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 Zach Bryan I'd never heard of the guy and so I put on his stuff and most of, his th- it, most of his stuff prior to the latest thing he's got out didn't really didn't really strike me. It really didn't. Maybe it's just the generation divide. But I tell you what, he's got a song out that's getting a lot of airplay. And it's called Something in the Orange. And it has actually gone to number one on the country music chart. And he's got another song out called... I remember everything that's got Casey Musgraves as part of it. But that something in the orange is pretty pretty genius. A song that he wrote came out last year and I guess it's I, I just that was not my introduction to Zach Bryan music and therefore it took a while for me to get the feeling and get the, the emotion of something in the orange going to number one, but it sure did. Zach Bryan again arrested at the end of last week. But his career is not being shackled at this point, it appears. Now to some news out of our nation's military. Some Southern National Guard units have not followed an order to get rid of Confederate items. There was a deadline to turn over battle streamers. And that was supposed to happen by September 1st. But units in Alabama, Georgia... Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, and West Virginia have not complied with an order to turn over Confederate battle streamers to the Army's Human Resources Command as the deadline for September 1st passed. That from military.com as Army National Guard units are supposed to turn over these battle streamers. And that's just wrong, y'all. 48 National Guard units were directed earlier this year to strip their guidons of Confederate streamers and turn them 
in to be preserved at the U.S. Army Center of Military History. Oh, yeah, to be preserved. To go into a warehouse, you mean. To be thrown away, you mean. Now, this happens as a result of a decision by Congress to remove references to the Confederacy from military units and installations. We're talking about battle streamers, which are on the flags called guidons that military units have. And it is a, it's an indication of where this unit has fought. So you're trying to strip the history of these units when they were part of their state's Civil War battle service? That's what the federal government is doing? No, I would definitely not turn these things in. It's a sad thing for me to report that the Army has already collected 438 of the 491 streamers. You know, you can't change history. And you can't deny that some of these Army Guard units were alive in 1862, 63, 64. And sure, they might have been part of a technically another country at that time. And, And so therefore, they still recognize the bravery and sacrifice of those soldiers from that same unit that would have fought during the American Civil War. I know that I've, I've actually looked at some of the official Army guidons, and when they have battles on the Army guidon, for example, from the Civil War, a lot of times they're half blue and half gray. That helps identify it from the Civil War time period. So I don't know what their problem is, but please don't surrender those, those battle streamers, National Guard units. Be, I mean, these guys are today's modern soldiers 170 years ago there were guys who were out there taking bullets and dying in that same unit and they need to be recognized on their we're not talking about statues in front of a county courthouse although that should be allowed too but this is for that specific unit it's just pathetic that we've reached a point where you can't even have recognition on a military guide on from this woke Biden-Harris administration. One last news story before we go on to hashtag blue. Out of the state of Louisiana, a state grand jury has charged a now 91-year-old former priest with sexually assaulting teenage boy back in 1975. And that's going to help shed light on what Roman Catholic church leaders do about child sex abuse going on at that time period. The priest is Lawrence Hecker, and he's been at the center of a Louisiana and federal investigation of clergy sex abuse and a deepening scandal over why Roman Catholic Church leaders failed to report to law enforcement admissions as they permitted this guy to keep working around children until he quietly left the ministry back in 2002. And now, at age 91, he's been charged with sexually assaulting a teenage boy nearly 50 years ago. I wonder how they have the evidence other than the boy perhaps being willing to get on the stand. A outlet out of Louisiana actually found this former priest and talked to him on the phone where he declined to talk about the charges. But Louisiana not holding back. They are going after people even in their 90s on these sex abuse cases within the Roman Catholic Church. That's a look at some of our headlines as we continue on with what's going on across the southeast here on this 
Monday. When we come back, we've got hashtag Hullabaloo, a look at some of the fun stuff off of social media. And we'll do that when we come right back. came out in 2001 just weeks after the september 11th attack and i can uh, proudly say that i helped get that song out to country music radio with my friend jason Nall. that song called united we stand from the andrew jessup project you can go to youtube and find that again it happened to be one of the very first songs about september 11th it's on a service called cdx they put it out free of charge when Jason helped write that song and get it recorded in Nashville and here on this 9-11 anniversary just wanted to play that as a reminder of 22 years later the impact of September 11th continues and thank you to Jason which I've had him on he's our guy that comes on and helps preview some of the big golf tournaments he wrote this song and he and I only got to be buddies because of his writing United We Stand he came to me and said, hey, I heard you used to work in Nashville. You think you could help me? And so as terrible as September 11th has been in our nation's history, this song would bring together a guy from Arkansas and an old redneck from wherever the heck I'm from, and we've been great friends all because of this song that would never have happened without September 11th. So even in tragedy, there are some things positive, sadly, that they can that can happen so thank you for a nice song here on this patriots day 2023 we're back on y'all time to wrap up our first hour with some social media fun we call this hashtag hullabaloo where we go on to x 
and fine people talking about things across the southeast and more. And we're going to wrap up this hour with a text coming in from Jimbo's Old Folks Home. Jimbo's Old Folks Home at the X account E9730965. I wonder if that's Jimbo Old Folks Home's telephone number. (laughs) I don't know if that's the area code there. But Jimbo's Old Folks Home is boasting here today. They're actually talking smack. And it's got to do with college football. There was a big upset over the weekend at Bryant-Denny Stadium as Texas went in to the Beast and knocked off a top-five Alabama Crimson Tide team at home. Texas with a double-digit win, the first double-digit home loss in Nick Saban's entire coaching of college football history. And so Jimbo's old folks home must be a Texas fan because they're out talking smack here on this Monday as they've tweeted at Alabama's athletic departments at, at, at UA underscore athletics is the Roll Tide Athletic Department's X account. And they have put out a statement that says, got them Southern fans, take the loss, hillbillies. And then they got an emoji attached that says, eat SH blank blank. You can fill in the dots. Yes, take the loss, hillbillies. Of course, Owen Wilson used that phrase a lot in some of his movies. And Matthew McConaughey has to be shining bright here. Remember, he was just in Alabama filming a movie over the last few months. So, wow, what a statement by Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, and their guy, Ewers, who's the QB for the Horns, to go into SEC country, a place they're going to be joining up in 2024. And Texas, (laughs) hook them horns, absolutely. You hook those Crimson Tide elephants in a big way Saturday and yeah, you can put out emojis of eat sh blank blank to Bama fans and more. Jimbo's old folks home. Thank you for letting us know that, and that will help put a crimson tide collapse on this first hour of the y'all show. Don't worry, Bama fans. I think you'll probably come back and have a big year. Knowing Alabama's fortune, you'll probably win the national championship this year. You might even have to play Texas for it. That wraps up this hour. We've got two more hours of Southern Conversation headed your way, so don't miss out on the fun on the show that shakes the Southland. We are the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com and hosted by the general of all things Southern, John Raw. We'll be right back.
Welcome back into Hour 2 on this Monday, September 11th edition of the show all about the Southeast. It is Patriots Day across the country today as we remember the 22nd anniversary of the World Trade Center coming down and Flight 93 crashing in Pennsylvania. And, of course, the crash into the Pentagon and more. Just a very awful day in our history of this country. We'll have info on that as we continue on with our news headlines here in this hour, plus other news goings on we'll tell you about. We also have in hour number two, our Southern History Spotlight. We're going to tell you about an Aaron Tippin song that came out that was a big part of the getting over the healing process of September 11th. Where the Stars and Stripes and the Eagle Fly, we'll play that and tell you a little bit about the backstory and how that song helped out. And those months after September 11th. That's coming up as part of our Southern History Spotlight, plus some folks with birthdays today. How about Harry Connick Jr. celebrating a birthday today? The New Orleans kid has a big birthday. We'll tell you about Harry Connick Jr. and others as part of our Southern History Spotlight. And also, before we get out of here for hour two today, we've got our Southern Recipe of the Day. So we have had, for the last few days, NFL games going on as the NFL season has returned. There's a Monday night game going on. But besides that, all the other games are in the books for this opening weekend of the National Football League. Tostitos, you know the company that does pretty good tasting chips? They've come up with recipes for each of the 32 NFL teams. And these recipes have to do with the location of where the NFL franchise is based. And so I found several of the Southern NFL teams recipes and if you don't mind I'm going to share that with you here as part of our return to football and our Southern recipe of the day it's going to be several recipes from the Titans to the Saints to the Panthers we've got a Falcons recipe I'm going to try to mix in a little Jaguars and Dolphins and Buccaneers too for good measure maybe even the Texans hmm Chiefs if if time permits well there was about nine or ten southern NFL teams and I'll try to get to all of them if, if time permits here in this second hour as we have our southern recipe of the day and a programming note we're going to have more food talk throughout the days ahead and we're going to have a little bit more southern culture talk I made a executive decision over the weekend and I guess this is as good a time as ever to tell you about it and until further notice that's the way it's going to be here on the y'all show so i like sports i do and i don't know how much you like sports but sports has been playing this dangerous game in a lot of cases of trying to get political and i like the nfl but i was watching sunday and in the end zones of the NFL games, they've got stamped into the back of the end zone, end racism, okay? And I don't even know if that's on both ends, but it's at least on one of the end zones. It's this woke social justice message that the NFL is continuing to push. And I'm not going to put up with it. So as long as the NFL keeps pushing that kind of message, I'm done with them. I'm not talking about them on this y'all show. You might hear me talking about Tostitos chips here in a few minutes. But I'm not going to waste time promoting an organization that cares more about politics than it does about just making people happy and enjoy it. 
if that's pig-headed, I'm sorry. And if I have enough of you tell me, hey, bring back the NFL talk, bring back the college talk, I'm going to back off of most all the sports talk here for a while. I'm mad at sports. I'm mad at college sports. I'm mad at these players making millions of dollars in college. And they don't they don't come through. They they get all this money and they are just average college football players that no other college students making that kind of money for going to college. So I'm I'm mad at the college world. I'm just I'm just I just think it might be a better show if we back off of some of the sports stuff. So I'm, I'm going to do that, and if y'all hate it, if y'all revolt, I will bring it back because I do have pretty good knowledge, and I have the ability to talk about sports. I, I've done a lot of sports stuff through my years. I mean, I had a connection to virtually every major SEC school for years as I did sports shows for every one of the southern schools. And I did ACC schools and Southern Conference and more. I know my college sports in a pretty big way. There's certainly people know it more than me, but I ain't completely ignorant. And I, I do I, I have followed the NFL. But for example, when I saw that Sunday, that end racism message, I'm thinking, why is the NFL continuing to push this? I mean, it's a brand new season. They don't have any reason to push this. Trump lost. 2020 that's what it was all about the social justice stuff was to get rid of trump and guess what it worked for time, for now he's not the president so you can back off of it major league baseball's backed off of it even the nba and wnba aren't so woke in their marketing of stuff but the nfl's got it right there in your face now to their credit i don't think they've got the little bumpers on the back of helmets with a social justice message i didn't see that from the little bit of time I watched Sunday maybe that's a positive step but until they get rid of it all I'm I'm done with them I mean remember the NFL has capitulated they have given in to Colin Kaepernick they gave him tens of millions of dollars and the other guy Eric I think was his name that was a defensive player they gave him a bunch of money as part of a settlement and they've given all of these woke charities tens of millions of dollars for no reason all to look good as they've they'll just bend over any way to put a positive spin i just i don't need i don't need to waste my time and hopefully i'm not wasting your time so there's other great stuff out there that we can cover and we're going to do it that is a less uh political less less in your face and stupid in my opinion okay so, again, if y'all have an upheaval and you're like, please bring all that stuff back, we'll still have a, a little bit of college football talk. Kiefer Ingles is going to be back with me on Thursday, helping preview the weekend. But other than that, I'm mostly going to not bring up a whole lot of sports. Frankly, it's also not good for my health. Not good for my health to get into all this political stuff. And, frankly, it's not good for my health because most of my teams lose. And to avoid all the losing heartburn, it's – probably best that we just kind of skip past it okay hopefully you will understand and it helps make our show better than than that's what we're trying to do anyway so thank you for letting me uh, a rant here for a few moments here all right let's get into some news headlines before we bring in our southern history spotlight in the next segment again today is september 11th i'm going to have more about that the anniversary 
the 22nd anniversary coming up in our Southern History Spotlight. We're going to do that in our next segment, so just don't want you thinking I'm skipping past that here in our news headlines. So stay tuned in the, in the next segment. We'll have all that. I do want to tell you about Hurricane Lee. It is a Category 3 hurricane at the current time, and the latest, latest models forecasting this thing have it going more northeastward. It looks like it's going to be able to get past the American South as a jet stream coming in from the American West is likely to keep this thing offshore of the Carolinas and Virginia, and it could in, impact New England. It could impact Canada at this point. Some of the provinces on the Atlantic seaboard of Canada look like they could be in real danger of this thing as it moves north in the next few days. But Hurricane Lee right now churning out there in the Atlantic, and it's a scary, scary storm. Sustained winds of 160 miles an hour were recorded with this storm the other day, making it a Category 5 hurricane. Now it's dipped down to a 3 at the current time, but it could easily go back up to a Category 5 as it looks like it's going to go just to the west of Bermuda. Then, no telling where it's headed after that. But we'll keep our eye on Hurricane Lee as it moves to the north in the next few days. Other headlines across the southeast here on this Monday edition of the Y'all Show. If you go to Cherokee, North Carolina soon, that's the western North Carolina town that's home of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. Well, the members of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians have backed overwhelmingly the adult use of marijuana on their tribal land. So, it looks like, according to this vote, 70% said yes in a referendum that opens the doors to this North Carolina reservation being the first location in North Carolina where pot for recreational use can be legally purchased and they have the casino there. (laughs) So does this mean you can go into Cherokee, North Carolina's casino and get stoned and gamble at the same time? Evidently so. Yes, in 2021, the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians actually decriminalized possession of small amounts of marijuana within the Eastern Band's 89-square-mile boundary in the Blue Ridge Mountains. They also, this tribe, formed a medical marijuana system that includes a tribe-created business to grow cannabis and sell it in a dispensary. And this Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians in Western North Carolina has 14,000 members. They have two casinos, and they can pass rules permitting cannabis use regardless of state or federal prohibitions because of its sovereign nation status and because it's a federally recognized tribe. Marijuana use remains illegal in the rest of North Carolina, but sure enough, you can evidently get ready to go into Western North Carolina. All you people in Tennessee and Virginia and Kentucky and Georgia and even in South Carolina, places within an hour, two, three, four hours of Western North Carolina, you can go to Cherokee now and just light it up and gamble at the same time. This is going to be a... uh, It's going to be a big change for a lot of people. A congressman that represents Western North Carolina, I guess he took over for Mark Meadows, Chuck Edwards introduced a bill last week that would withhold 10% of federal highway funds from tribes and states that permit recreational marijuana. As he said in a letter 
to the Cherokee One Feather newspaper. Representative Chuck Edwards said, Here in our beloved mountains, we are already facing unprecedented crime, drug addiction, and mental illness. I can't stand by and condone even greater access to drugs to poison more folks in western North Carolina, not to mention having even more impaired drivers on our roads. Now, election results for this referendum won't be certified until early October, according to the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians Tribe Election Office. But, yeah, it might be worth a drive. If you like to smoke dope, there's at least one section of the South where you can go do it legally, indoors, outdoors, wherever, gamble, debauchery, gone wild in the mountains of western North Carolina thanks to the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. It is going to happen real, real soon. Look out. Now, what about Linda Chin and her battle on the golf course? She thought she had won a brand new Mercedes-Benz after hitting a hole-in-one at a charity golf tournament. And now she's being denied the prize and has filed a lawsuit in response. She showed up after entering the Fins on the Fairway Golf Tournament, paid her entry fees, and she hit a hole-in-one at this Florida Golf Tournament. But the owner of the group that organized the event said that Chen didn't disclose her full history as a golfer when she registered for the event, which would have disqualified her from winning the prize. And president of Ace Hole and One, which insured the prize, said in a letter that Chen signed an affidavit confirming she wasn't a former professional golfer. <laughs> so we got a real problem here. That Mercedes E-Class which was supposed to be given to her by the Mercedes-Benz of South Orlando is a $90,000 car, by the way. This charity golf tournament, a fundraiser for Nova Southeastern University in Orlando, and it was held at the Isleworth Golf and Country Club back on May 27th. And the Mercedes was listed as a prize for anyone who hit a hole in one, but no, not for her. We will see where this goes. <laughs> I would hate to have thought you won a $90,000 Benz and it be taken away from you. I had the opportunity over the weekend to ride in a nearly $100,000 used BMW SUV. It was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. Someone had bought it and I had to help someone transport it for a little bit. And I was scared I would do something to make it dirty, so I had to be extra careful with my drink as I was driving in the riding shotgun, really, in the car. And we are driving down in this nearly, I mean, I think when it was new, it was over $100,000. This BMW SUV with beautiful light blue color, by the way. And I got to thinking, where in the world, if I had a cell phone, would I charge it? Now, there might have been a usb adapter somewhere but i sure as heck didn't see it and this was a model 2023 car and if i'm paying over a hundred thousand dollars for a car it better have things like usb adapters easily accessible so i can charge my iphone and charge my other things that need me to charge and so i'm hoping 
BMWs just got that magically tucked away, and I just didn't see it at the time. Otherwise, all you BMW owners with $100,000-plus cars, you're being ripped off. You're absolutely being ripped off. But a nice car, and I think the person that got this quite happy with their new gift. By the way, this thing was bought by someone, this $100,000 car, bought by a fella to give to his girlfriend on her birthday. I repeat, girlfriend. <sighs> this guy must have a lot of money to burn because you don't, hmm, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> if that thing gets put in her name, oh, she might be dropping him in a heartbeat and not just walking away, driving away with a $100,000 Beamer. But it was a beautiful car. And then ended up putting a nice little bow on it when she got there to get it on her birthday. Happy birthday, lady. Enjoy that. Now, hopefully you got some USB ports to charge up your phones and more. Let's tell you a little bit about a story coming out of the state of, well, actually it involves several southern states. Research showing that southern children are unfortunately some of the most obese in the country. The website stateofchildhoodobesity.org has put out its national survey of children's health and it shows that 23% of children between the ages of 10 and 17 were obese. And some of our southern states were more than that. The rate of childhood obesity overall is at 17%. Now, a deep dive into this research from the state of childhoodobesity.org the website states where it's really really bad it looks like according to this Kentucky and West Virginia Kentucky has a 25.5% obesity rate number two in the land for obesity West Virginia is at 26% childhood obesity the number one state in the country West Virginia with 26% of its kids obese now, other southern states did not do that great. I walked through the other states showing up pretty high. Tennessee. Tennessee has 22% childhood obesity. It's fifth in the nation for childhood obesity. North Carolina is eighth in the land with a 21% childhood obesity. South Carolina is at 21.6% and seventh in the country childhood obesity. Alabama is the sixth most obese childhood state in the country with a 22.1% obesity rate. Mississippi checks in at number four. Mississippi's obesity rate for children, 23.1%. Louisiana is number three at 24%. And Texas is number 10 in the country with a 20.7 ranking. And looking at the map of the entire country, there's not any states that are doing that great with this thing. I mean, seriously, they, they all have significant obesity going on amongst the children. The state with the lowest obesity, it appears, is Montana. Montana has 10.2% childhood obesity. Colorado 10.8 so out west they 
must know how to keep them active and not get so obese. Obese. Disparities by race and ethnicity persist in this data. Non-Hispanic Asian children had the lowest obesity rate at 10.1%, followed by non-Hispanic white children at 13%. Obesity rates higher for non-Hispanic black children, 22.9%. Hispanic children, 22.4%. And American Indian or Alaska Native children at 205 So the highest obesity were for black children at 229 the lowest for Asian children at 10.1. That is quite a difference. Again, this data coming in from stateofchildhoodobesity.org. I want to go check it out and see what you can dig up about your own state and more heavy information about, unfortunately, obese children. Now to our worst nightmare coming true near Camden, South Carolina. A lady driving out on Interstate 20 in Kershaw County, just going down the road, Mary Alice Simmons, heading to, heading wherever she was heading, maybe over to Florence or over to Columbia, right there on Interstate 20. And when she was driving down the road on Interstate 20, she happened to see a snake, a snake in her car. Our worst nightmare coming true. The snake was on the floorboard of the passenger seat. Thank God. She said she was able to remain calm and managed to pull over onto the shoulder. She got on the line with the South Carolina Highway Patrol and two troopers showed up there to help Miss Simmons out. She said she definitely freaked out. She said she's surprised that she did not wreck. I don't blame her. Simmons called 911 and dispatchers told her that they would send Highway Patrol to help her with the slithering situation. Senior Trooper Bruce Horton and Sergeant Jonathan Oxendenberg responded to the call and found the woman with this snake in her car. And you know what? These guys get out of the car and what did they do? They actually pick it up with their hands. These troopers on Interstate 20 have this snake in their hand and they're having a good time with it. Evidently, it must have been non-venomous. It was a king snake, a four-foot-long king snake. And it had already made its way to the dashboard by the time the troopers arrived. Whew. I believe she might need to find a better place to park. The troopers released the snake into a swamp near their office in Kershaw County, South Carolina. Simmons said she appreciated both South Carolina Highway Patrol troopers for answering her call and helping get rid of the unwelcome passenger. I have nightmares about this kind of stuff happening. Do y'all? I don't know how I would respond. I'm trying to think of the worst thing that's ever happened to me while going down the road within my car. I remember one time as a child, my grandmother and I were riding down the car and we heard this noise and she... I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time ago. But what it was, was it was a cat that got into the hood of her car. And I think it survived. I, th- I think that's right, because I don't remember anything too disgusting that happened. But this cat rode along to the... I think she had a doctor's appointment, and I was with her for some reason. 
that's that might be the worst thing that's ever happened from a scary standpoint uh but if a snake were in my car there's no telling what would happen you know snakes have a purpose they have a place too and that place is not inside my car or truck and this south carolina woman mary alice simmons you got some guts lady and you handled that situation very well the trooper that pulled the snake out of the woman's car said it was cute it was like a cute little kitten i don't think so <laughs> i do not think so Whew. all right i don't know if i'm gonna be able to sleep tonight after telling y'all about this story from kershaw county all right when we come back on y'all talk with an accent on the south we're gonna keep the fun going we've got a southern history spotlight for this hour as we remember september 11th we're gonna play where the stars and stripes and the eagle fly from Aaron Tippin and a little bit more of the backstory of that song when we come right back. Tippin went into the studio and recorded that Kenny Beard, Casey Bettard song for an album called People Like Us, and it did not make the cut for that album. Hmm. And that made Aaron Tippin a little, little upset. Nice song there, Where the Stars and Stripes and the Eagle Fly. Unfortunately, September 11, 2001 happened, and within days of those attacks, Aaron went back into the studio and recut this song and it ended up being a number one song for Aaron Tippin where the stars and stripes and the eagle fly commemorating of course September 11th this song not necessarily written about that it's more of a song of American pride but it was 
a nice way to remember the sacrifice of so many from that day 22 years ago on this date as it's Patriots Day across the country. And i got to give Aaron credit. One of the reasons I'm playing this song as opposed to, let's say, Alan Jackson's Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning, I remember when this song came out. It specifically was done as a way to help out as it was released just after the September 11th. And in fact, it came out September 17th is when it was released to radio. And all proceeds from the single went to the American Red Cross and its relief efforts for the families of the September 11th attacks. According to Aaron's record label at that time, DreamWorks, or Lyric Street, I think was technically the label. According to that label at the time, this song raised approximately a quarter of a million dollars for the September 11th victims. And therefore, we're glad to play Where the Stars and Stripes and the Eagles Fly on this Patriots Day 2023. Great job, Aaron Tippin. Today does mark that day in American history where the suicide terrorist attacks carried out by Al-Qaeda against the United States happened on that Tuesday morning, September 11, 2001. 19 terrorists hijacked four commercial airliners and planned to crash all four into important buildings in American history and American business, commerce, etc. Two of them crashed into the World Trade Center. One crashed into the Pentagon. The other is supposedly going to crash into either the Capitol or the White House. That's the one that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. But right around 3,000 Americans lost their lives on this day in 2001. And a just terrible event that we remember each and every year now going forward. Today, we've already seen on the side of the World Trade Center in New York City, the reading off of the victims, thousands of people losing their life when the World Trade Center collapsed there. 22 years today. We will never forget. Elsewhere in our Southern history and more here on today's Y'all Show. I want to tell you about some birthdays. Today marks the birthday of Tom Landry, the longtime Dallas Cowboys coach. Did you realize he was actually both a baseball? Well, no. I, I say he was a baseball player. The Texas alum, he played there for the Longhorns in the late 1940s. And he got drafted in 1949 to play for the New York Yankees. But that was the New York Yankees football team that was part of the then AAFC All-America Football Conference. So, sorry, I thought he might have been a baseball and football player, which has been pretty common throughout the years. But no, this legendary football coach played briefly as a New Yorker, as both a Yankees football team, and played for the New York football Giants in the early 1950s. Then started coaching and coached the Dallas Cowboys from 1960. Is that right? Was he? I guess he was their first head coach. From 1960, their first year as an organization, to 1988, the last year that Tom Landry was Dallas Cowboys head coach. That is amazing. A Mission, Texas native, born on this day in 1924. We lost... Tom Landry back in the year 2000 at the age of 75 died in Dallas 
but what a job he did. Of course, you'll never forget Landry walking up the sidelines in that fedora. And he was a true Texas guy. I mean, without a doubt, being both a former Longhorn player and then going on to play so many years in in the NFL, then getting back to Texas with the expansion Cowboys. Remember, the Cowboys started playing in Dallas the same year as the Dallas Texans started in the AFL. And the Dallas Texans ultimately would say, you know what, we can't compete. We're going to get out of Dallas and go to a place called Kansas City and rebrand as the Chiefs. But the Dallas Cowboys, their great coach, born on this day in history. Also born on this day in history, oh, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Y'all know that song. Today is the birthday of Jimmy Davis, the singing governor. Yes, indeed, Jimmy Davis was governor of Louisiana two different times. He was first governor back in 1944 up until 1948, and then he got put back in office in 1960, serving until 1964. Jimmy Davis, born on this day in history in Jackson Parish, Louisiana, born in 1899. And that's in North Louisiana. It's where Jackson Parish is. The county seat is Jonesboro. And it is a bay. If you look at a map of Louisiana, it's North Central Louisiana. Jackson Parish. Named for Andrew Jackson, of course. And Jimmy Davis was born there on this date in history in 1899, of course. His song, You Are My Sunshine, is one of the great songs that you will have ever heard in folklore a song that the songwriter of it is disputed but Jimmy Davis produced his version of it which was out on Decca Records and put out in 1940 and (laughs) yeah great great song honored with a Grammy Hall of Fame award and a Rhea award named it as one of the songs of the century it was number 73 on CMT's 100 Greatest Songs in Country Music. You Are My Sunshine from the birthday boy himself, Jimmy Davis, born on this date in history. Another Louisiana guy with a birthday today. Happy birthday to Joseph Harry Fowler Connick Jr. I know why he now goes by just Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. born on this day in 1967. The ultra-talented singer, pianist, composer, actor, TV host, and pretty nice guy, if I could add that to his bio, as well as I'm comfortable with my sexuality in saying this. He's a darn good-looking guy. <laughs> He's got it going on, I believe would be the term. And Harry Connick Jr. named one of the top 60 best-selling male artists in the United States by Rhea. He's got over 16 million album sales to his credit and has had so many great acting roles. He was in Hope Floats with Sandra Bullock back in 1998. He was in Memphis Belle. Love that role. Love that movie. 1990 World War II film, Memphis Belle. Grew up the son of a lawyer and judge in the Big Easy. And his daddy was also the DA of Orleans Parish for nearly 30 years. Harry Connick Jr., birthday today, the father of three Happy birthday, sir.
born on this day in 1967 in his native New Orleans. We also honor today another Southern legend, Paul William Bryant, born on this day in 1913. You may call him Paul William. We'll just call him Bear Bryant, the legendary Alabama Crimson Tide coach, born in Morrow Bottom, Arkansas, 110 years ago today. Bear Bryant played football at Alabama back in the early 1930s. Then he would get into coaching, first coaching for Union University in Jackson, Tennessee as an assistant, but he wasn't there very long because he got brought back to Tuscaloosa to be an assistant coach and was at Alabama for a few years before ultimately becoming the head coach of the Maryland Terrapins in 1945. He was there for the Terps only one year before Kentucky was the destination that he would start coaching in the SEC. He did a fantastic job as UK's head coach. And Kentucky, along the way, won an SEC title in 1950 when he had great players like Schnellenberger, I believe, played for him there at UK back in 1950. Kentucky was a great team when Bear Bryant was there, and then he got recruited to go be the head coach of Texas A&M, and he went and coached the Aggies for a few years, 1954 to 1957, won a Southwestern Conference title, in 1956 for the Aggies and then Mama called and he went to go be the head coach of the Crimson Tide starting in 1958 and he stayed in that role till his retirement in 1983 and Bear Bryant as you probably well know died within months of his leaving the job of head coach of Alabama a great win in the Liberty Bowl was his last game that he ever coached Bear Bryant born on this day in history Along the way, the guy ended up winning six national championships. These are actually, I believe, certified. These are not fake championships for the Crimson Tide. 1961, 64, 65, 73, 78, and 1979. He won 14 SEC titles, and again, with the Aggies, that one Southwestern Conference title of 1956. The legendary Paul Bryant, born on this date in history. Also born on this date in history, Charles Evers. He was the brother of Medgar Evers. Charles Evers, born on this date in 1922. He died in 2020. Evers of Mississippi was a civil rights activist, businessman, radio personality, and a politician, and the younger brother of Medgar, who was gunned down in the early 1960s. And at one time, he worked in radio in Mississippi, the Decatur, Mississippi-born activist Charles Evers, born on this day in history. Also born a great football player in the South, Ed Reed, who played with the Baltimore Ravens. He was born on this day in 1978 in St. Rose, Louisiana. He played his college ball for the Miami Hurricanes. Ed Reed played and won a Super Bowl with the Ravens as he played with that franchise for a decade wrapping up his career there in 2012 then he went on to play for a year for the Texans and the Jets but Ed Reed big guy there I mean what a force with a birthday today happy birthday sir and that wraps up our Southern History Spotlight here 
for this hour of our conversation about the Southeast. When we come back, we've got a little football and nacho chips to tell you about. Tostitos has some great recipes specific to NFL teams around the country. And I'm going to tell you about some of these recipes. It's our Southern Recipes section of this Monday edition. And we've got that coming up. Munch, munch, munch right away. Bob's House of Honda is celebrating 55 years in Jackson, and they're bringing you the best in Honda Power Sports and Generators, Polaris ATVs, side-by-side vehicles, and bad boy motors, all under one roof. Hurry in for closeout prices on the 2023 models. They're making room because the highly anticipated 2024 models are arriving now. Yes, you heard right. Honda Pioneer and Talon Side-by-Sides are arriving now. Don't miss out on these fantastic deals. Get up to $1,500 off on select 2023 Polaris Sportsman and RZR models. And here's another cherry on top. They are offering end-of-summer pricing on their Honda Street models, new and used. Stop in at Bob's House of Honda, 603 Van Drive, and experience the thrill of the latest in Honda Power Sports and explore the versatility of Polaris side-by-side vehicles. Visit Bob's House of Honda today. Check out the website, bobshouseofhonda.com, or call 668-4191. Bob's House of Honda. Your adventure starts here. Premier Dental Center is now accepting new patients of all ages at any of our three locations, Jackson, Bells, and Milan. Premier Dental's experience, along with the use of advanced technologies and techniques, gives you a higher level of care in general and cosmetic dentistry. Call for an appointment, 731-300-3000. That's 731-300-3000. The old adage, the more things change, the more they stay the same, isn't always a bad thing. In fact, sometimes staying the same is a good thing, a very good thing. Heavenly Ham is changing, but they're staying the same. The name is changing, but the ownership, managers, staff, and quality service all remain the same. That delicious ham, turkey breast, sandwiches like the Smokehouse, Paradise Club, and Smoked Turkey Sensation. The box lunches we've all come to know and love. Salads like Aloha Chicken and Taste of Italy. Those amazing casseroles, dressings, cookies, breads, catering, holiday hams, and more all stay the same. Heavenly Ham's new name will be The Ham Store and More because that's what we are. The Ham Store and More. Heavenly Ham is changing to The Ham Store and More, but staying the same. 480 Wiley Parker Road in Jackson. On Facebook and online at thehamstoreandmore.com. Hey guys, Seabass here to tell you about my friends at West Tennessee Land Management. If you need land for commercial or residential properties cleared, call veteran-owned and operated West Tennessee Land Management. They specialize in gravel driveways, culverts, overgrowth removal, forestry mulching, demolition, ponds, and more. To maximize property use and increase property value, call West Tennessee Land Management at 613-8489 or check out their work on Facebook. That's Better Business Bureau accredited West Tennessee Land Management, 613-8489. Mark your calendars and plan to attend the Salt and Light Banquet September 14th at the Carl Perkins Civic Center. Area Relief Ministries Room in the Inn presents Salt and Light Banquet with special performances by Lolo, Vonda Pete, and Candace Golf. A mass choir with Lane and Union featuring the Jackson Symphony. Reserve your dinner tickets and tables now. For sponsorship information, contact Mike Roby at 731-234-5642 or mroby at eplus.net. Concert only balcony tickets just $25. 
hear ye. Let it be known far and wide. WHMC Guns in Humboldt is on News Talk 101.5 and West Tennessee's conservative voice, Super Talk 93.1. To celebrate, the following specials are available for ye who hear this proclamation. WHMC Guns has in stock right now over 1,000 guns, including select AR-15 rifles at 20% off. And for the ladies, the Ruger 2245 Lite, also 20% off. Plus, pick up a 5% discount on regularly priced merchandise in stock just for telling them you heard this ad. WHMC Guns offers in-house gunsmithing and unused guns and unheard of 90-day warranty. WHMC Guns, home of the old, the odd, and the curious, and the new stuff, too. Headquartered at 124 North 22nd Avenue in Humboldt. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 to 5, working every day with our community to make it better. Jackson Off-Road Plus Complete Automotive Service Center is Jackson's one-stop for diesel performance, suspension lifts, wheels, tires, and services and accessories for all types of vehicles at some of the lowest prices in West Tennessee. Just installed a new state-of-the-art front-end alignment system with the latest machinery and technology. Jackson Off-Road Plus, 1082 Highway 45 Bypass. Find them on Facebook, open six days a week. In communities across West Tennessee, we feel the effects of opioid addiction. We all know someone touched by addiction. Neighbors, friends, family members. Know now that there's help and hope. Together, we can rise above and make recovery a reality. Neighbors working together. Tennessee together. If you or someone you know needs help for addiction, help is available. Call the Jackson-Madison County Prevention Coalition, 731-694-0741. This project is funded by a grant for the Tennessee Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. This is the Y'all Show on West Tennessee Super Talk 93.1 FM. Keep it Southern. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. It's going around. The girl's headed for a heartbreak. She's going down. They say I'm always wanting something that I And we're back wrapping up this second hour of our Monday Y'all Show. And we're going to wrap it up with a little, well, actually, it's not, it's corn chips. That's what it is. Tostitos.com has put out a bunch of recipes in honor of the return of the NFL over the weekend. And Crystal Gale probably is more interested with the Nashville hot chicken nachos. You can go to Tostitos.com and search on their recipes tabs. They've got Tostitos recipes for all 32 NFL franchises. So sure enough, if you go right now to Tostitos.com, you can see the recipe for the Tennessee Titans Nashville Hot Chicken Nachos. The recipe is right there. It is awesome. Can't wait to try that one, y'all. Also across the southeast, Jacksonville, the Jaguars have a great recipe up there. The Mayport Shrimp Nachos is what the Jags recipe is. For the Atlanta Falcons, you can go to Tostitos.com and check out the recipe for Southern Fried Chicken Nachos. Yummy. It even has gravy as part of it for this Atlanta Falcons recipe. For the Carolina Panthers, you can go and check out the Lexington-style barbecue nachos. Lexington, North Carolina is one of the best styles of barbecue you'll find and it has Lexington style slaw that you can get the recipe for again from Tostitos 
Cowboyfans.com. Check it out. Awesome, awesome stuff. How about Dallas Cowboy fans? You can find ribeye nachos at Tostitos.com. That sounds delish. Maryland's on the edge of the South, and they've got Maryland Blue Crab Nachos, the recipe right there at Tostitos.com. Check that out if you are in the mood. The Houston Texans, Texans fans, you've got the Sizzling Fajito Nachos available for you when you go to Tostitos.com and see the recipes right now on the website. Let's see if i got any other Southern teams that I haven't gotten to. Kansas City Chiefs, you won the Super Bowl. And there in the Show Me State, you've got Smoky Burnt End Nachos. Recipe for that is on Tostitos.com. And let's see, are we out of uh, Miami Dolphins? That's really pushing it to the southeast. We've got the Frida Cubana Nachos. And how about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I don't believe I've gotten to Saints fans. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, I almost left you out, Saints fans. For Tostitos.com, for Saints fans, Cajun Jambalaya Nachos. They've got the recipe right there for that. And I still haven't told you all about the Buccaneers. Buccaneers is going to be the Devil Crab Nachos. And I think there's one more. If I can squeeze it in here. It's for the Washington Redskin Commanders, and that recipe is for half-smoked nachos. Second anniversary of the 9-11 attack. We're back here on Patriots Day 2023, our final hour of y'all. We've got headlines from across the southeast that we'll be getting to in a moment. In fact, in our headlines of this hour, Vanilla Ice in the news. He's got a few dollars evidently headed his way, and he's got money to burn, and so he's bought two houses in the Sunshine State. I'll tell you more about Ice Ice Baby. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. We'll tell you about that as part of our headlines of the goings-on of this third hour of today's Y'all Show. We also have a Southern Culture Spotlight coming up, and it has to do with wearing hats inside. SouthernLiving.com has penned an article, When It's Rude to Wear Your Hat Indoors. And I'll tell you what led me to get on this subject when we get to that portion of this final hour of Y'all to get involved with our program, it's quite easy to do. All you have to do is pick up that phone and text us, 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. You can email us anytime, M-A-I-L, mail at Y-A-L-L.com, mail at y'all.com. We check it constantly. We would love to get your input here on the show that shakes up the Southland each and every day with our conversation about the Southeast. John Rawl is my name. Good to have you back here as we will give you this final hour of the Monday, September 11th edition. And again, it was on this date in 2001 that the September 11th attack happened 
in New York, in Washington, as well as in Pennsylvania when the plane crashed there in Shanksville. We'll never forget with today remembrances of this solemn day in American history being observed on the 22nd anniversary, a pledge to never forget 3,000 Americans, roughly 3,000, died on this day 22 years ago. Some business news across the southeast that might be affecting some of you. Kroger is announcing it is going to sell more than 400 stores in 17 states. Those 17 states of which these transactions are going to happen, Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, the District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, Idaho, Illinois, Montana, Utah, Wyoming, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, Louisiana, Texas, and Washington State. So most of those states out west, but a few located here in the south, like Texas and Louisiana, and some around Virginia, as there are locations of Kroger that will be rebranded. What's happened is Kroger and Albertsons, which it recently teamed up with in the last year, I think it is, they're going to shed as many as 413 grocery stores across these 17 states. The buyer is going to be CNS Wholesale, and that's a company that supplies independent grocers like Piggly Wiggly and military bases. And it also includes distribution centers, two offices, and five private label brands. I actually am a big private label brand. <laughs> when I go into grocery stores, I don't have any problem buying. I think the one I buy is Best Choice at the particular grocery store I go to now. Best Choice. I don't mind buying the Piggly Wiggly branded stuff. It saves money. Shoot, tastes good to me. I like it. I even, you know, you are totally committed to the off-brand way of life. When you buy cereal that's got the off-brand name on it, and I've done that, and I like it better. I bought the, well, I think Dollar General is a place I often have bought Frosted Flakes, and I like the Dollar General brand version of Frosted Flakes better than Kellogg's take that Tony the Tiger <laughs> but a big grocery store news item of the day with Kroger selling off more than 400 stores to this company called CNS Wholesale hmm. also in our headlines across the southeast some National Guard units of the south haven't followed through with their order attention to orders attention to orders there was a deadline of September 1st for National Guard units in Alabama, Georgia, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, and West Virginia, they had to turn in Confederate battle streamers to the Army's Human Resources Command, and they have not done that. And this all has to do with these battle streamers, which are on the guidons of these National Guard units, marking battles of which that unit has participated in in American history. And many of these National Guard units go back in history to the war between the states. And so they've had on their guide on these Civil War battles. That's all it is. It's just a pennant that's got the name of the battle. And this Biden-Harris administration 
is cracking down on our National Guard units and telling them they got to turn this over. This proud honor. They got to turn this over. I am just furious at this. Maryland and West Virginia, which actually West Virginia separated from Virginia in 1863, they were border states that officially remained in the Union of the United States, but did have some join some units from those states join the Confederate cause, and and they've got to turn in their battle streamers too. All of this it just makes no dang sense. Here we are as a country shelving out billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine, much of which is understood. I'm not saying we shouldn't help out Ukraine, but internally we're sitting here fighting over battle streamers because this administration has decided to go to war against the South, at least its history. Sad news out of the state of Texas over the weekend. Texas country singer-songwriter Charlie Robinson has died at the age of 59. Charlie died at a hospital in San Antonio after suffering cardiac arrest and other complications. That, according to a family representative, he's had a bunch of songs recorded but never quite got big-time airplay on mainstream country music radio. Certainly one of the big so-called Texas acts but he was recently forced to retire after complications from a medical procedure that left him unable to sing. And he died Sunday at age 59. Got to start playing in Austin bands like Two Hoots and a Holler. And then had his solo debut, Bendera, came out, came out in 1996 and signed with Sony Records just after that. His only country song that hit the top 40 was I Want You Bad, Charlie Robinson, who was once married to Dixie Chicks member Emily Strayer. They have a couple of children together. Robinson most recently married to Kristen Robinson, and together they have four children and stepchildren. Robinson dying again of a heart attack at age 59. Other news headlines across the southeast here on this Monday. In Louisiana, a grand jury has now charged a 91-year-old former Roman Catholic Church priest with sexual assault of a teenage boy for something that happened in 1975. And this is quite extraordinary that you'd go way back almost 50 years to prosecute. But that's what's happening in Louisiana And part of this is because, according to this prosecution, Roman Catholic Church leaders knew about a child sex abuse crisis that persisted for decades and claimed hundreds of victims. The priest charged here this week, Lawrence Hecker, has been at the center of a state and federal investigation of clergy sex abuse and the deepening scandal over why Roman Catholic Church leaders have been failing to report this sexual abuse that's been going on for decades. It wasn't until 2018 that the Archdiocese of New Orleans publicly identified Hecker as a suspected predator when it released its list of credibly accused priests. 
but a big story going 50 years back to prosecute this now 91-year-old former Catholic priest who was kicked out of the clergy or retired or forced out 20 years ago. He's been out of the business that long, but just a tragic story from Louisiana to tell you about here on today's Y'all Show. Elsewhere in our headlines across the southeast, a woman in Florida thought she hit a hole-in-one while in a charity golf tournament. She was supposed to win a Mercedes, a $90,000 Mercedes for knocking that thing in. And now the golf tournament that was being the host of this thing is not giving the lady her Mercedes. And that's got her on the bins. (laughs) So right now, Linda Chin's going to do something about it. She's suing several groups involved in organizing, advertising, and sponsoring this charity golf tournament for a breach of contract after her hole-in-one was withheld. Now, the people that put on this tournament have come out with a justification and they say that she didn't deserve to win it because she was once a professional golfer. As they say, if you look at Linda Chin's LinkedIn page, she makes no mention of her amateur status. She made no mention of it ahead of the tournament. There are other professional golfers in the event who informed the tournament of their status, and so they didn't, I guess, qualify to win the $90,000 Mercedes E-Class vehicle that came from Mercedes-Benz of South Orlando. This was a golf event to help out as a fundraiser for Nova Southeastern University in Orlando, held at the Isleworth Golf and Country Club in the Orlando area. And according to the official rules, the Mercedes was listed as a prize for anyone who hit a hole-in-one. And Miss Chin knocked that thing in. I don't know which hole it was, but... (laughs) What a turn of events. Tonight, I, I bet you that Mercedes was right there by the hole of which she knocked it in, and she's sitting there saying, okay, throw me the keys. I'm ready to go take a joyride in my fancy new car. It's a new car! <laughs> oh, in honor of Bob Barker, I just had to throw that out there. Um, but no, not for her. She's having to sue. We'll find out if she ends up getting that Mercedes-Benz after all of this drama drama there in Orlando, Florida. How about a story from Kershaw County in South Carolina? So Mary Alice Simmons was going up and down Interstate 20 there east of Columbia between Columbia and Florence on Interstate 20 in Kershaw County, Camden, historic Camden, home of the Revolutionary War Battle of Camden right there in South Carolina. So Miss Simmons having a good day, probably a beautiful September South Carolina day when she's driving down Interstate 20. Lo and behold over there on the floorboard of her passenger seat is a snake. She's got a snake in her car. And what do you do? You call the South Carolina Highway Patrol. You you first call 911 is what you do. But SCHP comes out and helps her out. And the troopers there who helped pull the snake out of her car said it was like it was a cute little kitten, this four-foot-long king snake that was hanging out in the floorboard of this lady's car. Poor lady. I would not want to be her. And Simmons said, 
this trooper had to be a good old country boy. He reached in there, grabbed that snake, and pulled him out like it was a cute little kitten. And then the trooper went and released the snake near his office into a swamp in Kershaw County. So when you got a snake in your car, let me give these guys a shout-out. Sergeant Jonathan Oxamadur, also known as Sergeant Ox, helping out. And then you had another trooper, Senior Trooper Bruce Horton. Horton and this other guy, Ox, heroes to this lady in South Carolina for getting a snake out of her car while she's going down the dang highway. (laughs) Yikes, yikes, yikes. And lastly, let's tell you about Ice Ice Baby. Isn't that the guy that sang Ice Ice? It was Vanilla Ice. Am I right on that? It's been what? I got to look this up. Vanilla Ice. I've actually seen him in person eating sushi. And it surprised the heck out of me when I he was actually eating sushi in a sushi restaurant just below my office in Mississippi for God's sakes but Vanilla Ice has bought two homes in Florida in the last few days Robert Matthew Van Winkle who was born in Dallas, Texas Vanilla Ice is now 55 years young and kind of hangs out mostly around Miami But yes, the big-time sensation of the early 1990s, Vanilla Ice, has bought some homes, MC Vanilla. And believe it or not, the reason I saw Vanilla Ice is rumor has it, and I think I'm right on this, he's got family in Water Valley, Mississippi. That's why he was there. There are lots of Van Winkles. And that's why he was in that area when I saw him eating sushi. So he's got connections to Mississippi and Texas and and Florida as well. But Vanilla Ice, old Robert Matthew, in the news today because he's just invested in Florida in another way through properties. He's bought two homes on Rattlesnake Island off of St. Augustine Beach and Mr. Van Winkle is going to evidently keep one of his homes and renovate another. He has been flipping homes. In fact, he had an HGTV show, The Vanilla Ice Project, that he would go in and flip homes, and he would do this in South Florida primarily. But his recent purchase in North Florida has left people wondering if he is settling down in the Sunshine State. Hey, not a bad place to settle. Again, Vanilla Ice buying two homes, not just one, two homes. It looks like in the North Florida area around St. Augustine. And he's bought two homes on Rattlesnake Island, which is just off of St. Augustine Beach in the northeastern corner of the Sunshine State. And we'll see what he's got up his sleeve. I mean, kudos to Van Winkle. He's still going. There are lots of people who have completely fallen off the deep end in the kind of situation that they've been in with fame and success 
and drug use and more. A lot of people haven't made it to 55 years old like this guy has. I had forgotten that he dated Madonna. You know, surviving a relationship with Madonna would put a lot of people <laughs> in the ground. <laughs> uh, evidently, he's a vegetarian, too. So, yeah, and, and it looks like he's proud of his Choctaw heritage, which may be from his Mississippi roots, as he's got some Choctaw ancestry in his DNA. So, Vanilla Ice, the entrepreneur, if you will, and he's got some property now in Florida times two on Rattlesnake Island around St. Augustine. I'll have to go check that out as I think I recently said. I have never been to St. Augustine, Florida. It's a historic place. I guess it's the first town in Florida. First settlement. And I love history. I bet you a lot of you like history. And having not gone to St. Augustine is somewhat of a crime. I've been to Jacksonville. I was just in Jacksonville a few months ago. Been to virtually I've not been to southwest Florida. I've never been to like Fort Myers, that area, but I know it's beautiful. So if y'all want to fund me, let's start up a GoFundMe and we'll just take a big Florida tour again. Go on to places I've not been before. I mean, the last time I was down there, which was right around New Year's, got to give a shout out to some places that I had not been to before and had a fantastic time great memories I enjoyed my time in Crawfordville south of Tallahassee enjoyed going through Bluntstown which is right on the river there what are they technically it's the Chattahoochee River up in Georgia but as it comes into Florida I think it changes its name maybe to the Abla brain brain mess up here it's the same river, but that's also where the eastern time and the central time have a divide. And on one side of the river is Bristol, Florida. The other side is Bluntstown. They're only like three miles apart. But they're in different time zones. Pretty wild. Not about uh, about 45 minutes west of Tallahassee is where that is. Also, enjoyed my time in Live Oak. Stopped by there on this trip I had recently. And then... I want to say hello to everybody in Stark, Florida. I stopped by there after going to the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. Also enjoyed my time at Jacksonville Beach, by the way. First time out there was on my recent trip. But I, I stopped and had lunch in Stark. And that's only about 30 minutes from Gainesville. Had a really good visit there. And actually brought in the new year in Gainesville this weekend, or this year. Chomp, chomp. Saw the Spurrier, Tebow, and uh, Danny Werfel statues outside of Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. So a nice way to bring in the year was in Gainesville and then ended up going to Tampa and then departing Florida. I was able to go through the very northwest, kind of the northwest corner of the state and I went through Campbellton just south of Dothan, Alabama. Had to slow it down. A lot of speed traps in that section of the Sunshine State. But, yeah, what a what a fantastic southern state we have in Florida. And uh, it's a big state with a lot of different corners, so it is not the easiest thing to get there. But if you have the time and money, you might as well put that on your list of places. And Vanilla Ice 
evidently is trying to cover all sections of Florida with his entrepreneurial career. Good luck to you, Mr. Van Winkle. And that wraps up our Hour 3 news headlines here on the show all about the South. When we come back, we're going to move over to tell you all about some Southern culture. And it's about wearing hats indoors. Oh, I got a lot to say about this. Southern Living has an article about it on their website. It will discuss in a big way when we come right back. You ride a black tornado across the western sky. Rope an old blue norther and milk it till it's dry. Bulldog the Mississippi, and it's ears down flat. Long before you take this cowboy's hat. Now, partner, this old hat's better left alone. See, it used to be my daddy's, but last year he passed on. My nephew skinned the rattler that makes up this old hat band. But back in 69, he died in Vietnam. Now, the eagle feather was given to me by an Indian friend of mine. But someone ran him down somewhere around that Arizona line. And a real special lady gave me this hat pin. But I don't know if I'll ever see her again. A black tornado across the western sky. Rope an old blue norther and milk it till it's dry. Bulldog the Mississippi, then it's ears down flat. Long before you take this cowboy's hat. Thank you, Biloxi Boy, Chris Ledoux. We're back on y'all, and we are talking about hats with that song, This Cowboy's Hat, out by Ledoux. John Rawl is my name. We're wrapping things up here on this Monday, Patriots Day 2023. And hats are on my mind. And the reason they're on my mind is I, I'm pretty sure, y'all help me out on this, I'm pretty sure this is like a major, major no-no. But on Sunday morning, I found myself in a pew of the local church. And I saw something I don't think I've ever seen while hanging out in the church, getting the good gospel sent my way Sunday. I'm not here to tell you about that. I'm here to just tell you what I saw. So in comes a young man, probably in his 20s, I guess. He comes in and sits down in church right when it's getting ready to start. And he's wearing a baseball cap in church. And he doesn't take it off. And it stays on him the entire service. Now, am I a fuddy-duddy? Am I from a generation that needs to be taken out to pasture for thinking that was just wrong? Or did somebody need to stand up and say, Hey, man, take that hat off in church. What was he thinking? Or... Am I the victim here? I mean, what's going on? So that that had me thinking, we need to talk about this on the Y'all Show. I mean, as soon as I saw it, instant programming note came across my brain. We need to talk about that in the show sometime. And here we are 
as part of our Southern Culture feature of this hour, we go to southernliving.com, and Southern Living has an article penned by Caitlin Yarborough. I wonder if she's any kin to Kale. And her article is titled, How to Know When It's Rude to Wear Your Hat Indoors According to Etiquette. So, Caitlin, we'll find out what your article has to say. And this has to do with both men and women. So, one thing, according to this article, it says that hat etiquette has roots in Christianity, as it's long been considered customary for men to remove their hats upon entering a church. There you go. I knew I wasn't dreaming about this. I'm right on this. You take your hat off when you go into a church. I think you take it off even if you're in law enforcement. If you're under arms, meaning if you've got a gun on you, oftentimes when you have a gun in the military or in law enforcement, when you go in an indoor setting, you're supposed to keep your hat on if you have a gun on you. I don't know if that involves church. I don't think so. I've never had a gun on me. Actually, ever. I've only fired guns at ranges. So, I I don't know if that's part of the rules whenever you're out learning how to shoot one these days. Now, the funny thing is, as I said, wearing a hat in church for men is a major no-no. You don't do it. But then you got the whole phenomenon of women and their church hats. A historic tradition that women wear churches to churches in the South. Per church hat etiquette, according to Miss Yarbrough in her southernliving.com article, women are allowed to keep their dress hats on in church unless blocking anyone else's view during a wedding or baptism. Didn't know all that. And if you will allow me to throw out a little personal opinion piece here, I love women in hats. I love it. Church hats are awesome. I love the racing hats that women wear for the Kentucky Derby. That's awesome. I love women in ball caps. It's, can I say it? It's, it's rather sexy. Now, I don't want you to wear it all the time. But sometimes it's pretty freaking cool. Hmm. Okay, I said it. Now, let's move on in this story, again, at southernliving.com, titled, How to Know When It's Rude to Wear Your Hat Indoors, that Caitlin Yarbrough has penned. So, according to her article, there's the U.S. Flag Code. And there are rules set forth by U.S. Flag Code. For example, men not including those in military service uniform, are supposed to remove all hats during the national anthem as well as during the Pledge of Allegiance. Women are not required to remove dress hats. The same goes for when a U.S. flag passes by during a parade. The U.S. flag code is not upheld by law, but is rather an advisory. So if you're out, let's say, today for Patriots Day and there's a parade in honor of 9-11 and a flag passes you by, you're supposed to take that hat off, maybe put it over your heart when the flag comes by. If you're at a game and they start playing the national anthem, first of all, you get on your feet, unless you're not able to for health reasons. You get on your feet 
and you remove that hat and put it over your heart, ideally. That's U.S. flag code. Other items of men's hat etiquette. All hats should be removed upon entering indoors. And that includes, of course, churches, synagogues, and more. You should remove your hat according to men's hat etiquette in public buildings, at private homes, especially at mealtimes. Now, there are exceptions. And exceptions for taking your hat off include when attending indoor athletic events. So it's okay to wear a hat indoors there, I guess. Taking public transportation, it's okay to keep your hat on there. Or traversing public thoroughfare spaces such as going through airports, hotel lobbies, and elevators. Women's hat etiquette, a little bit different. According to Yarborough's article, women's hat etiquette designates that dress hats are allowed to be kept on indoors, including at someone's home, during a religious service, at weddings. And it says... Technically, baseball caps are still supposed to be removed indoors and during the national anthem for both women and men. So I think if you've got the women's dress hat, you can keep it on during the national anthem. As Yarborough continues to write in her article at southernliving.com, all in all, hat etiquette comes down to what some view as proper or polite, but just as with any other etiquette discussion, hat rules can be subjective in different situations And depending on different people, cultures, and beliefs, there's at least one thing Emily Post could never deny. Hats are always welcome at the Kentucky Derby. The bigger, the better. Now, those hats, as Emily writes, the bigger, the better, some of those things get out of control. I mean, it's just stupid, goofy looking. But there are people in Louisville and throughout the South that make a lot of money constructing Kentucky Derby hats. And for Preakness and for the other racing that goes on at various tracks, like we mentioned earlier in the show about Kershaw County, the Carolina Cup is a race event each year in Camden, South Carolina, of which there are plenty of awesome women's hats on display there. Even the fellas have pretty cool hats at racing events. But the point is, in this southernliving.com article of how to know when it's rude to wear your hat indoors according to etiquette Caitlin Yarbrough nailed it I was absolutely right absolutely right in having a hissy fit over this guy walking into the church on Sunday morning with a baseball cap on and he didn't remove it I don't think he removed it when there was a prayer I mean he just didn't keep it off and and it looked like he had had a shower so he, he could have at least combed his hair. Now, one time, while we're talking about hats and going to the extreme, perhaps, one time many years ago, my business partner and I, we had this fancy restaurant, the fanciest restaurant in our town. And after living in this town for three years, I had never been to that restaurant. And I had a goal Uh, when we got our first check for our business that we would go celebrate at that fanciest restaurant in town and what happened was that check came in 
around 10 o'clock in the morning on a maybe on a Friday and my buddy was not at the office when it came in so when he comes in to work that day I said look what came in look over here and it was a nice check nice advertising check I love advertising checks by the way and uh, I said we got to go celebrate and we did we went to that fanciest restaurant in town to celebrate lunch not supper lunch we go in and my my guy my buddy who didn't know this check was coming in comes into work that day by the way he didn't shower he threw on a baseball cap he was disgusting looking frankly uh but we went ahead and tried to eat at this place and you know what they let us come in they let us sit down they let us order and my buddy even while sitting there mentioned to the waitress hey y'all have that bar upstairs that i like a lot i know it's closed right now during lunchtime but could i buy a t-shirt from your your bar that's part of your restaurant and they said sure so he's gonna buy a 25 dollar t-shirt from these people at this lunch while wearing his hat and we're having a lunch and right when our food arrives at the lunch they tell him sir you're going to have to take your hat off and my buddy said well I really don't want to I haven't had a shower my hair is all out of whack I'd rather not take my hat off and they were they really were kind of jerks about it and my guy stood up and said, I don't want to take my hat off. And he stayed kind of on that theme. And they they wouldn't back off either. I mean, re- remember, he just committed to buying a $25 t-shirt in addition to eating at this fancy restaurant, of which I was going to pay for because we had the nice check come in. Anyway, my friend ultimately says, hey, if your owner wants to come tell me to take it off, I will I will consider well, the owner wasn't there. And these people went and called the owner of this restaurant to come back to the restaurant to tell my friend to take his hat off while we were there at lunch. This was not an elegant 6 o'clock p.m. fancy candlelight dinner going on. This was lunch of which they just had sandwiches and things like that. Really tacky. It's why I don't go to this restaurant to this day. I avoid them. I avoid all restaurants owned by this guy. I don't like him. And it goes back to this event from 20 years ago, by the way. So the guy, the owner, comes into the restaurant and asks him to remove his hat. Now, luckily, by that time, we had pretty much finished our meal. But what's crazy also is they did have a sign on the door when you entered about no hats. They also had on that same sign, don't talk on your cell phone. Well, some lady next to us was talking on her cell phone the whole time we were there. Okay? And this is a little small intimate type restaurant where you can't deny when you're sitting next to a table, you're going to hear their conversation. That was okay. But the sign they had on the door was done in brass. It was like a brass, small brass sign. You really couldn't see it, even though it was on the door. It was more decorative than anything. And that's another reason it just ticked me off that they made a big deal out of him taking his hat off. I don't know if he's gone back there, but I haven't. 
and I understand they now charge like twice the amount of stuff that they should for their entrees and you get less the good old shrinkage effect is in effect at this place so stay away from it and tell them John said so and you can sue me if you want to and I'm going to go in there with my big old cowboy hat I might even wear the most gaudiest big sombrero if I could find one to go into that restaurant if I ever if 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 I ever darken that place but that's one example of wearing a hat where they did have a rule but if you're going to have a rule here's we go back to this sign on the door so okay they had the sign on the door the the hostess and or the server should have immediately told my guy when we got there to sit down sir i'm sorry we have a policy you can't wear hats inside our restaurant now that is acceptable i'm okay with that but they let us sit there for 45 minutes order our food order a t-shirt do all this and then then they come up there and try to put the hammer down on us i don't think so tacky tacky just like the guy that wore the hat in church tacky 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 all right that's enough of our southern culture talk thank you caitlin yarborough from southernliving.com for pinning this article on the website and giving us something informative to talk about on this monday edition hats are awesome but there is a etiquette for both men and women and we hope maybe you learned a little bit from it here on today's program about the south ain't it fun when we come back we're going to wrap up this monday edition up with a look ahead of what's on the y'all show going forward the rest of the week hats off to you y'all Broken heart as I can be This small talk slow down one road in and now walls are closing in on me This town ain't big enough for breaking up I'm about to leave it in a cloud of dust You're everywhere and I can't take it Chevy wild horses off to the races Until I hit the city limits Till I hit the California, y'all. California, Missouri. Just to the west of the state capital of Jefferson City. That is Cassie Ashton, country music newcomer and fantastic new song. I think I'm going to let that play out throughout the next few minutes as we wrap up this hour and this Monday edition of y'all. And speaking of y'all, we are powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage and the y'all show has some exciting programs coming forward the next few days on our Tuesday Y'all Show. Make sure you tune in as we will have our Southern Political Report. Lots to say 
about the presidential race. How about Trump and DeSantis colliding in Ames, Iowa, both at the Iowa-Iowa State football game where Trump was throwing footballs and having a good time at a fraternity party. (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about all that reaction in our Tuesday show. We also have coming up on our Tuesday show our Southern Book Report. Wednesday's Y'all Show this week, we're going to have our Southern Business Spotlight and another recipe of the day. On our Thursday Y'all Show, Kiefer Ingalls will be back in-house, and Kiefer's going to help us out as we're going to discuss the weekend in college football and set you up with some of his big-time games and maybe the odds of who's going to win all that on our Thursday Y'all Show. Plus, we'll have all the country music news and notes. It's our Nashville Music Line report coming Friday. And then we wrap things up Friday with Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group and the latest movies and other fun things going on with hashtag Hullabaloo. All that is ahead on this week of Y'all Talking About the South. John Rawl signing off. Thank y'all so much for being a part of our Monday show again. This is Patriots Day, a day we will never forget on the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. Until we're back here on Tuesday, thank y'all for listening to the show that shakes the Southland. I'm gonna drive you